Gridbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. Mary's Touch, real life stories of Mary's love. I really do feel that Mary had a role in bringing me back to the Catholic Church. He reminded me that Mary was my mom. I always fell upon if I needed a desperate prayer, I always called to Mary. I could see that Mary had a hand in this. She began to speak to my heart. Mary's Touch, real life stories of Mary's love. Welcome to Mary's Touch, the show that brings you real-life stories of Mary's love and real stories of people living a bold witness of their Catholic faith. I'm Alexis Walkenstein, your host, and today's guest is my dear friend, Jamie Stewart-Wolf. She is a Catholic convert, wife, and mother of eight. Inspired by the spirituality of St. Francis de Sales, she is an author, speaker, musician, and she serves as senior editor at Ave Maria Press. She's also a columnist at the Boston Pilot. And um, bringing her on the show today as a repeat guest because, Jamie, you had a really profound piece in the pilot recently as related to the current sex abuse scandal in the Catholic Church that we're going through. And it's been hard for me to think about doing Mary's Touch shows without somehow addressing the pain that we are all going through in the church right now to just keep putting guests on talking about the Blessed Mother and not having some ability to acknowledge that we are seeing a lot of unsettling things in the news. We are going through kind of like a part two of the scandals from several years ago. And you work in healing ministry, evangelization, and do so much as an intercessor. I wanted to just have you come on to talk about your piece that was very profound. And also just kind of from your perspective, the healing that needs to happen within the church and how Our Lady is really a central figure in where the church needs to be and how we need to really come under her mantle for that healing and for that witness um, like the first Pentecost. Oh, yes. And, uh, of course, Our Lady was there at Pentecost. And uh, it must have been a very interesting experience for her. Because, of course, she had been overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit all those years before at the conception of the Lord in her womb. For her, I think it, it had to feel familiar. It had to feel different from it, than it felt for anybody else in that room, any of the other 120 people gathered in that upper room. And she mothered them. She mothered Jesus Christ in their soul. And that's what Our Lady wants to do for all of us. She formed Jesus Christ physically within her womb. He was formed within her. 
humanity to the Son of God. And it's that humanity that formed the physical body of Jesus Christ. And on a spiritual level, Mary wants to do the same in each one of our hearts. Mary wants to help form Jesus in you. And, and that's where this crisis kind of leaves us, because it leaves us upset, angry, disillusioned, wondering, is all of this fake? Is all of this somehow inauthentic and false, all these things we've been taught? And the people who have taught them, they're telling us to do one thing, and they're running off doing quite the opposite. Very disturbing. You know, and that can be so disheartening. And yet Mary says, trust my son. Do whatever he tells you. And notice that he is not the Pope or the bishop. Or the... Now, that doesn't mean we don't obey our bishops and, and, and take, you know, take heed of what they teach us. But in days like this, we need to know that our faith is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And when our faith is in Christ, it can't be shaken. The roots of faith have to go down so deep that when the wind blows, we're not moved. And the wind does blow. But we ought not to think that, oh, my gosh, this, this church is, is, oh, my gosh, it's never going to survive. Mm-hmm. And, this, and, and all of this is, is just going to be the death of our faith. And No, it will not. Because a thousand years ago, ironically, something very similar was going on in the church. And it was at the very highest level around the year 1000. In that 11th century, we had terrible corruption in the church. And offices, ordinations and offices of bishop were being bought and sold. Priests and monks were marrying, taking concubines, uh, having children against the teaching of the church. They were engaging in homosexual behavior mm-hmm. with teenagers. They were abusing children. And there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, what emerged from that were a few, a few very holy saints, Peter Damien being one of them. Uh, St. Peter Damien wrote a book of Gomorrah a thousand years ago. Mm. A thousand years ago. I mean, we, we, you know, we think, oh, the world is so corrupt now, and it used to not be. Well, we can romanticize. You know, the things that history kind of goes in cycles. Right. And right. We, we move up and we move down, and, and uh, we, we get full of ourselves, and that's when we fall. And uh, we, we think we don't have to listen to those old-fashioned norms, and yet, you know, but we're, you know, we're living in a corrupt age, and we ourselves have sometimes been corrupted. That's mm-hmm. when we fall on our face, get on our knees, and understand that the mercy of God and the justice of God are both of God. And that if we're going to experience the mercy and the renewal, we've got to get on our faces and allow the light to shine in every dark, dingy, horrible, smelly, awful, corrupt corner. It's not just that that light has to shine in the chanceries and in the Vatican. That light has to shine in me. It starts with us. It does. In your piece that you wrote for the Boston Pilot, you said the list of culprits is long and varied. Poor formation, weak leadership, a corporate mentality, aggressive secularism, a culture of denial and silence, sexual revolution, a homosexual network within the church, mental illness, the ideal of the celibate priesthood, clericalism, and yes, even communist plot to infiltrate the church. The crisis, you say, has been characterized as moral, spiritual, organizational, sexual, and more. Curiously, these explanations and those who are voicing them seem to be garnering proponents and opponents and causing further division in a church that is already reeling. Right. Look for the answer. There's no silver bullet here. Right. Don't look for one answer. Oh, it's clericalism. I I had to get a laugh this last week or two, you know, all across social media. Suddenly we started to see the suggestion that if we only had women cardinals, 
I know. This yeah. would never happen again. Right. Really? Right. As if we women don't have vices? We have plenty of vices. As if our virtues could make up for, for the vices of others? Really? Only the blood of Christ on the cross right. can make up for any of this. And all of this is why we need a Savior. All of this is the truth and the, the disgusting reality of all this crisis in the Church and in the world is why we need God. Mm-hmm. Can we look in the mirror long enough to understand that this beast has so many heads, you know? Right. And it has so many roots. You know, when you when you look at a tree, you only actually see half of it, because the other half of it is all underground. And sometimes that the, the half that's underground is actually larger and more expansive than the branches that reach up. Right. And I, I think there's a great humbling happening in the church right now. Oh, there's no. a great leveling and a humbling, you know, there's the fallen. And, and honestly, you know, we, we look to the great saints who, you know, many of them had a past, but their future in Christ. Uh, St. Paul, you know, one of the, the worst sinners became the greatest apostle of God, you know. And, and so if it's true for Paul, that can be true for, for these other apostles, these bishops, you know. We have to believe in the mercy of God, too. It can be true for all of us. Yes. And the idea that well, Paul was right when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, but only as I imitate Christ. So we need to follow our bishops as long as they're, you know, in how they imitate the Lord. And in their faults and failings, we have them too. You know, I've been saying in some of my parallel ministry work around Fulton Sheen and the spirituality of Fulton Sheen, uh, it's like God just did a divine setup with the timing. And you were instrumental in that book coming out. The timing, right when the scandal is breaking, it's like a bishop that we can rely on who imparts, you know, the gospel in such a way that really points us to ourselves. Like you are giving this message right now about we have to be the change. We have to be the the converted vessels that are change. Like conversion begets conversion. Holiness begets holiness, you know. Yes, it does. And so, yeah, and Fulton Sheen, you know, he kind of points to a lot of these things, uh, the pursuit of the soul and then human freedom, you know, really the, the wrestling between our will versus God's will, divine love. I think a lot of this crisis in the church right now is because people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. They don't have a personal relationship with the one who sent the son, the father, and they don't understand how to relate to the power of the Holy Spirit to burn out sin, to burn out weakness, to transform. And our... it is painful. Yes, you know, sometimes we get this idea that if we only follow Jesus, everything will be chocolates and roses. Right. But that's a historical idea of Jesus, a man, a figure, but not this incarnation that can come and transform us, an incarnation encounter that as you look into his eyes and you taste him in the Eucharist, it changes your very DNA. He is a refiner's fire. Yes. And we will not be purified apart from it. And judgment begins with the house of the Lord. He's going to clean us out first. And yes, we will lose people, and that's the tragedy. Mm -hmm. The tragedy is that we will lose people, good people, people who don't know how to find healing. And yet there is that offer of healing. There is that mother who can kiss those injuries away, who can bring us the truth in a way we can embrace it. And Our Lady, Mother of Pentecost, you know, she, she was with the apostles, that ragtag group called by our Lord, uh, in the upper room. Who, and they had all betrayed him. They betrayed him. They had abandoned Yes, and they were weak. And they, they needed to be any filled. stronger mm-hmm. than the bishops were critical of today. Right. They were not. They were frail, fragile, 
frightened men, as we all are underneath it all, huh? as we all are. What changed their lives was the power of the Holy Spirit. What changed their lives was the mothering of Christ in them. What changed their lives was that Jesus was formed in their hearts and then brought forth you know, from their lives. And that the choices they made on that Good Friday became totally different sets of choices as they grew in the understanding that they really could trust God. And it all comes down to that. You know, it really all comes down to that. To trust. And you trust God. Mm-hmm. Can you trust God even when the church is a disaster? Can you trust God even when his people fall far from him? You know, if we read the Old Testament, we see a great account of how the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, were very corrupt, and how they turned again and again away from the Lord. They never stopped being his people. And Mary never stops. You know, she is our mediatrix between us and Jesus, as Jesus is the mediator mediator between earth and and the father you know right, and all of humanity right all of humanity, humanity god and, and and humanity meet in jesus christ never to be separated again isn't that amazing it's amazing and she she's the surest way to him and i just i feel for those that are hurting by watching the news by feeling betrayed by one that may have been removed from ministry you're hearing details that might be completely beyond oh, anything you could bear our lady is the one who can hold us by the hand and restore our purity of or, mind you know or, exactly and you know too those who may have been hurt by someone in the church yes the victim whether it's sexual abuse or whether it's other kinds of abuse or or disregard or or not meeting pastoral needs that you that you had you know we've all been hurt in the church that's correct and and mary wants to come to that place and say you can trust him I know it doesn't feel like it, but you can trust my son. You can trust Jesus. Bring it to him and allow him to slowly unfold the healing in your soul. Right. We, we pray that every every time we receive Holy Eucharist, right? Yeah, and, and you know, there's the a reason word. why our Lord from the cross said, you know, behold your mother, mother behold your son. You know, we are the John figure. The church is the John figure. He He gave the whole church his mother. You know, for this and for everything that we need. Right. I think, Alexis, that maybe some of the priests and bishops who have not done well in these circumstances, who have either committed terrible sins or have allowed those sins to go unaddressed, maybe those men have yet to take Mary into their homes. And by homes, you know, I mean their heart. Their heart. I mean, it's really easy to talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's really easy to say, oh, yes, oh, Mary, isn't she wonderful? And pray mm-hmm. a rosary and what, and you know, and go to a devotion. But there's something that's different. rote if you're not doing it from the heart. Yeah. And I understand I didn't grow up with a devotion to Mary. That's very foreign to me. And frankly, she was a stumbling block between mm-hmm. me and Catholicism. But over the last several years, you know, she's become pretty important. And it's because. She mothers Jesus in us. And, you know, I've, I've tried to do it on my own. I, maybe you have, too. Maybe somebody <laughs> else has tried to, you know, just follow Jesus. You're going to yeah. follow Jesus, and you don't really need Mary. She's right. 
but you don't really need You don't her. think you need this. Like, I have a mother. I don't need another mother. If right. you're a deacon, if you're a, a lay minister, if you're just a person who wants to who wants to embrace the fullness of discipleship, you need Mary. Yes, we all need Mary. And we're going to take a very quick break and come back and talk more about the role of Mary in repairing the wounds of the church, the wounds of the faithful and family life. My guest is Jamie Stewart Wolf. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Faith and Freedom Minute explores the intersection of our Catholic faith and modern American culture offering insights to understand and navigate the divide between secular viewpoints and our Catholic principles. Brought to you by the Knights of Columbus, here's past State Deputy for Texas, Douglas Oldmixon. In late 2017, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops' Ad Hoc Committee on Religious Liberty was converted to a standing committee because the issues it was established to address have grown ever more frequent and more challenging, especially in federal law and policy. Archbishop Joseph Kurtz of Louisville was appointed as the new chair, and the committee refocused its mission to strengthen and sustain religious freedom by assisting the U.S. bishops, individually and collectively, to teach about religious freedom to the faithful and to the broader public, and to promote and defend religious freedom in law and policy. As Knights of Columbus, we have a long track record of defending people of faith when the state seeks to condition religious expression and practice. Will you join us? This has been the Knights of Columbus Faith and Freedom Minute. To learn more about the effective witness and practical works of the world's largest Catholic family organization, please visit our website at kfc.org. That's kofc.org. And we're back. This is Alexis Walkenstein with Mary's Touch. My guest today is Jamie Stewart Wolf. She is amazing. She's a formidable woman in the church, columnist at the Boston Pilot, wrote this fabulous piece uh, addressing the church scandal. And I just felt like I had to have her on the show today because so many of us are we can become very affected by the news that we read. Um, It's one thing to have faith and another to not put our head in the sand. We have to balance the two to say, you know, I believe in the power of the sacraments. I'm not leaving the church over this. But we need healing. Everybody in the church from this information download that it seems like it's coming with a wave every new day and week. Uh, and Jamie's putting a lot in perspective that we need to start with our own house. Yes, we can we can say this was horrible and this bishop did this horrible thing. But and that's so easy to do. But it's harder to point the finger to ourselves and say, Lord, where do I fall short? Lord, what do you want to clean in my house? Right, exactly. But at the same time, let's be honest. I don't want priests who are sinning like this. And I don't want a homosexual network in the church. Mm-hmm. And I don't want the abuse of drugs or alcohol to contribute to sexual licentiousness or sins of lust. Right, the addiction. I don't want to see that. But that's not who we're called to be. Right. And yet, we've got to be really careful as lay people that we don't sit back and say, you know, well, you know, these priests say one thing and do another, and they want me to be all chaste, and they want me to uh, practice natural family planning and, and, you know, have many children, and they want me to do all that, but they are, they're out there doing their own thing. Right. Let me tell you, I said, hey, if any priest makes me wait like for like a year to get married, I'm going to Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, because I've waited. (laughs) Exactly. Right. But don't become cynical. Right. And this is our eyes on the prize of Jesus Christ. This is it. It's very difficult to say, oh, my gosh, I now belong to this organization that is shameful. I'm ashamed of my church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do I do when I'm ashamed of my church? Right. 
more, not less. Right. I trust more, not less. I work for virtue more, not less. And, and it's not other people's virtue I work on. I work on my own. You know, one thing we can do, Alexis, is to, uh, is to resurrect in our own practice of faith the tradition of Ember Days. Uh, they, up until 1966, they were required. And they're extra days of penance and fasting that happen four times a year at the beginning of each season. These are the, the ancient devotions of the church that ancient really, devotion. we need to have a resurgence. I remember in Palm Beach when I was working for beautiful Bishop Barbarito in Palm Beach, and he brought in during the 25th anniversary of the diocese, this was a diocese that had the removal of two pedophile bishops in the middle of the Boston scandal. There you he, go. he brought in 40 hours Eucharistic devotion that went, Perish to perish through the whole diocese over 40 days. And it was like, yes, Lord, this is what we need in the church to bring back. These are the devotions that, that cleanse us, that purify us, that well, bring you know, us. Here in, here in New Orleans, we had uh, an immediate penitential mass. And uh, I'll tell you, it looked like a chrism mass. Mm. Well over 100 priests, uh, well over 1,500 people showed up to this mm-hmm. mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our current Archbishop, Gregory Amond, and uh, Archbishop retired Alfred Hughes, you know? Yes. Uh, from Boston. Sure. Both were there, and they were on their faces prostrate in front of the altar. Right. That's what we need to be. And Ember Days is one way of doing that, you know? So there are Ember Days near the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, and there are Ember Days at the Feast of uh, St. Lucy in December, and there are Ember Days right after Ash Wednesday in Lent, and there are Ember Days after Pentecost. And there are a Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday of the week following those feasts. Look it up online. It's really interesting. It's an ancient tradition where we are all praying for our clergy, and we are all praying in penance. Right. And we are all focused on being thankful for, for the work that God is doing in us and through us. I, I think this is part of the key to the healing in the church is to bring back these ancient devotions. Our churches have been locked up for far too long. We pass by a church now, and unless they have a perpetual adoration chapel and you have a code, you can't get into a church because nope. security is an issue and priests are too busy to hang around church to leave it open so people can come in and pray. This is a problem. Well, let's talk about, too, about confession. I have this feeling that if priests spent more time listening to hearing confession, they themselves would commit fewer sins. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's so many things. And back to Our Lady, I was on a plane coming from Salt Lake, of all places, with two religious sisters, and their primary mission was they were bringing the pilgrim statue of Fatima all over the world during the year of Fatima. But their primary mission and their charism was to invite every diocese in the world to consecrate the diocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yes. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, that is incredible. And the miracles, they started to talk to me about the miracles that ensued in particular diocese and four bishops who are completely discouraged about numbers and people not coming to church and the culture ruling uh, the environment versus faith, you know, being dominant in today's generation. And they talked about so many miracles happening through Our Lady. I just want to put that out there, that if your diocese has not been consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, go talk to your bishop. Or if you're a bishop listening or a priest listening, 
putting everything under the mantle of Mary is what is going to bring a, a new grace to a diocese, to the priests, to the lay people. And... Allow Mary to mother Jesus in your parish. Yes. Allow Mary to mother Jesus, to form Jesus in your people. Yes. Allow Mary to do that in your diocese, in your chancery, mm-hmm. in your Catholic charities, whatever ministerial endeavors you have going. Allow Mary to form Christ. Allow her. It's what she does best of all. It's who she is. Let her mother Jesus in you. Stop lying to yourself and telling yourself that you can do all this alone. You cannot. And she really directs the Holy Spirit to, you know, dispense the graces, the graces that, you know, she as the spouse of the Holy Spirit. So I just feel like, you know, I'm praying, so many people are praying for a new Pentecost on this church, that this would not be the final say, that we as lay faithful should not be afraid of what we see in this purification. And I also pray for the priests that have been swept up in this scandal, those that have been swept up in sin. There will be priests who will be falsely accused. Yeah, there will be priests falsely accused. And even the ones that have been completely confirmed in their sin and sinning for years, I pray that that God, the God of mercy, the God of divine mercy, would reach into their hearts and be the God of the second chance for them through our Bring them to conversion. Yes. Bring them to honest and authentic faith. Bring them to trusting in in the Son Jesus who they serve, whose priesthood they share. And that God can really do that, that he can take the worst sinner and turn that around. And so for any priest or bishop listening who's caught up in stuff, you are not a hopeless case. Our Lady can do a mighty work in you, for you, through her Son. And we're believing in that for you today. And if you're a lay person, what are you willing to do for the priest who's struggling? Are you willing to eat bread and water one day a week? Are you willing to keep the ember days? Are you willing to pray an extra set of mysteries on your rosary? Mm. Are you willing to go to one more Mass? What are you willing to do to unleash the power of God in that person's life, Mm. in that priest's life? What are you willing to do? Because if your answer is, well, I'm really not willing to do anything, I'm happy to just sit in judgment, then we have a problem. It's really true. I was part of a rosary cynical in my formative years in my early 20s dedicated to the Marian movement of priests. And this was well before any scandals broke in Boston. And I'm just so grateful for that community for imbuing in me exactly what you're talking about, the willingness to pray rosaries and to pray for priests. They have many more demons assigned to them than we do. Um, The same Herod that took Jesus down wants to do the same to the priesthood. If the devil can get us to be completely disgusted with priesthood and disgusted with the Eucharist, he has won. So I think we need to think in those terms and and be willing to war for the church and war for priests and war for them to be covered and renewed in the blood of Jesus. And how we fight is on our knees. Yes. And how we fight is with our beads. You know, uh, Pope Pius XII said that the, the, the mysteries of the rosary is like the five smooth, round stones of David. Mm. This slingshot. A slingshot. I love it. You only need one, you know, to slay that giant. Yes. You only need one when it's well when it's directed by the Holy Spirit. Mm. But the rosary is like David's slingshot. It's the weapon for our time. And I hope everybody listening is gonna hear that. Hear that call to be renewed by picking up your rosary. This is not an old lady antiquated prayer. This is the, the weapon for our times, and we are all called to use that rosary. And if you don't love the rosary, so what? Pray it anyway. Right. Fake it till you make it. 
Yeah, well, and, and, and it's okay because just offer that up. It's, it's an additional sacrifice. Mm. Offer that up. Mm-hmm. For the priest who's struggling in your diocese right now, offer that up for the bishop who has a decision to make and doesn't know what to do. Mm. Offer it up for the victims who have suffered terribly, whose lives have been destroyed by abuse. Mm. Offer it up for the seminarian who is being invited into iniquity and is afraid and alone. Offer it up for those priests in those rectories who are living by themselves. Those rectories used to be full. Now they're alone. Offer it up for them. What are you willing to do? And how are you going to be a vessel of healing for the church? That's a very powerful question. Jamie Stewart-Wolf, thank you for being my guest today and my soul sister. I love you. Thank you for your powerful words. Thank you to the listeners of Mary's Touch. You are called to pray today. You are called to pray for the church. Thank you for joining us. God love you. God bless you. This program is produced by Mary's Touch, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to bringing you the love of Mary and her son, Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or a story to share, write to us at Mary's Touch, P.O. Box 341991, Austin, Texas, 78734, or email radio at marystouch.org. For more stories or to find out more about Mary, visit our website at marystouch.org. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at breadboxmedia.com.